Here we go. You are listening to Rumination Tuesday on this January the 18th, Law and Gospel in the Year of Our Lord 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me to take a look at a hymn is the Reverend Pastor Mark Smith. So without further ado, we'll move to the hymn, which is, O Christ, our true and only light. And that hymn was written by Johann Hiermann. He was born in 1585, died in 1647. He was the fifth and only surviving child of his parents. When he was a child, he suffered a severe illness. And his mother vowed that if he recovered, she would see to it that he was prepared for the ministry even if she would have to beg to raise the funds. And sure enough, in 1611, he was appointed deacon of Koben, K-O-B-E-N. That's in Poland, a small town on the Oder River. But within the year, the regular pastor died, and therefore Herman became the regular pastor at Koben. His marriage coincided with the terrible 30-year war, and this was not kind to Coben. It was plundered four times by armed forces, and also in 1631 with a severe pestilence which killed some 550 people in Coben alone. O Christ, our true and only light, was therefore written in the midst of the Thirty Years' War, and the song directs the singer away from destruction, devastation, and disruption of peaceful daily life to the realm of faith and hope in the Savior Jesus Christ. Now, whether or not Hearman knew it, his hymn is really modeled on a prayer by a Jesuit priest who was praying for unbelievers and those who had gone astray, including Lutherans. But he had a wonderful hymn, 
which prays for the enemies of the church, for the weak, for the faint-hearted, and he does not desire the destruction of his enemies. He desires instead what Christ does, that is, their repentance, and above all, their salvation. So we're going to be taking a look at this hymn. It's, O Christ, Our True and Only Light. And I'm interested to hear Pastor Mark Smith. Well, what do you think of the hymn? Well, what an interesting introduction to it. I'll tell you, uh, if we think we've got problems today with uh, COVID and uh, and the, the violence that is, is going on, uh, the rioting in the city sometimes and the unrest, boy, I'll tell you, what is that compared to what they went through? You know, to, to be the only survivor of, what, five kids, did you say? Yes. The only survivor of five kids and to... Uh, and to be to belong to a town that was ravaged again and again during the Thirty Years' War, uh, and uh, other pestilences and that sort of thing. I mean, it, it, it's helpful just to kind of keep help us keep our priorities and keep things in perspective, isn't it? Yes, it kind of reminds me of wasn't it Hannah who had the yeah, child? Yeah, yeah, right. And- she prayed and prayed and uh, and uh, yeah. How to talk about talk about devoted. I mean, this mother was devoted to, to the, uh, to the seminary and to the ministry, and getting her son uh, in the ministry. Man, right. talk about devotion to that. Yes. So he became a very famous pastor, and this is uh, one of the best known hymns. Yeah. Before we go any further, who translated it? I was just going to refer you to that, Catherine, our friend Catherine Winkworth, who's translated so many fine hymns. Yes, yes, I noticed that. I noticed that uh, right away. Yes, it's a great hymn. It was in the old hymn, though, also as well right. as the new one. Yeah, oh, Christ, our true and only light. So, if you'd be so kind as to read the first answer. Okay. Oh, Christ, our true and only light, enlighten those who sit in night. Let those afar now hear your voice. And in your fold with us rejoice. What is he talking about? Those who are sitting in night. Well, he's that's this. You, you know, I went through these different verses, and uh, very much like your introduction said, they're talking about uh, reaching out to the unchurched. That first first uh, verse, especially, is is missionary emphasis. Those who sit at night, those who haven't heard the name of Christ, those afar, you know, over, the, over, the, over the oceans and around the world that have, know nothing about Christ or about the gospel. Yes, the metaphor that the Bible uses is Jesus is the light of the world, and of course that means he illuminates the darkness, referring to the people who are unbelievers, and the way that Herman does it is those are those who sit in night. Right. Interesting. And it says, let those afar now hear your voice. That kind of reminds me of Pentecost when Peter talks about uh, be baptized and not only your children, but those who are afar. And what was that referring to? 
Well, that, that's, of course, referring to the Gentiles, exactly. uh, the, the, the non-Jews, uh, foreign nations, whoever, distant lands that have not heard the gospel. We want the light to shine on them as well. Romans 9 to 11 makes it very clear that the people who God considers to be Israel are not just the sons of Abraham through the flesh, but the sons of Abraham who believed like Isaac. And right. therefore, quite a difference between the two kinds of sons of Abraham. Yes. Yeah, there are those Jesus, that... Jesus Go ahead, Tom. refers to those uh, sons of Abraham as those who think that, well, we're okay, we are, we're, we're born from Abraham, that your father is the devil. They sure didn't appreciate that. No. And, uh, well, like the lesson, the gospel reading for this Sunday, where he preaches that sermon at his hometown. And uh, he, makes, he makes the point that, uh, you know, God, you know, there are many, there are many people that were suffering from famine in the, in the days of uh, Elisha, but he went, to, uh, he went to the widow at Zarephath who was a Gentile, and he talked about those instances of reaching out to the Gentiles. And, of course, people in his own hometown uh, synagogue didn't want to hear that. They almost they, they tried to throw him over a cliff. Yeah, remember the other uh, event he talked about was the healing of the Gentile leper. Right. That's right. Uh, Naaman, the Syrian general. Naaman. Right. Exactly. And how did Naaman hear about him? Naaman had been at war with Israel and had a Jewish girl in his house that he had a little girl a little servant girl that was taken uh, taken from Israel and she told her mistress about this prophet that uh, could perhaps heal uh, her her master uh, Naaman yeah and the people in Nazareth really got angry that he was putting Gentiles before Jews Yes. When Jesus spoke about the way he did. You know, this is the season of what? Epiphany. Do you know where that word comes from? Well, it's a, an epiphany is an enlightening. It's an unveiling. Of, where does uh, it appear in the Bible? The word. The very word. Let's see. Well, I. If you I'm don't know it, you won't guess it. Because okay. I did not know it either until last week's lesson. Well, tell and me. And that was the first miracle Jesus did. And the last verse says, this is the first miracle, and the Greek word is, of the epiphany. Yeah. It was a, that's where the word the comes first from. Sign, the first sign. The first sign that, uh, I think it's Manifestation. John. Right. John calls them signs which is a manifestation of his glory. They're miracles, but he referred to them as signs of his glory. Yeah, I didn't realize the word manifestation was actually the word epiphany in the Greek. Mm -hmm. So that was very interesting. And that's what I'm telling the congregation that I'm preaching at, the four of them, that each Sunday there's a revealing of the epiphany, which means Jesus shows that he is God, which, right. of course, none of the disciples believed. 
Right. They didn't know it till after the resurrection. And I told the congregation that you have more faith than the disciples had prior to the resurrection because you all proclaim him to be God. And remember the first epiphany was his baptism where the father said, this is my beloved son. The second one was of course a miracle at Cana, which shows that he was divine, changing water into wine. And the third one, of course, is coming this Sunday where he preaches and makes it clear he's the fulfillment of the passage from Isaiah. Now, yeah. th there's something interesting. Can you think of any other time that water was changed into something in the Bible? Well, of course, water, there there are a lot of times you, you think of the water, the crossing of the Red Sea. Uh, uh, where the water was actually changed into a different element. Hmm, I'm trying to think. I'll give you a hint. Okay. Because uh, I didn't know this either until I studied. Um, this was the first miracle of Jesus. What was the first miracle of Moses? First miracle. Oh, water was turned to blood. Thank you. Yes. Now, isn't that a good tie-in for the Lord's Supper? Yeah. You know something else that's uh, a mirac miraculous about the uh, the event that this Sunday's Gospel talks about, where they tried to throw him over a cliff, but when yes. it came to that, he passed right through the crowd. That's that's one of the lesser-known miracles. Is that Jesus? They could not get a hold of him. They could not. They could not throw him over the cliff. He, it wasn't his time yet, and he just passed right through the crowd. Untouched. Exactly. All right, I'll go ahead and read the second stanza. Fill with the radiance of your grace the souls now lost in error's maze. Enlighten those whose inmost minds some dark delusion haunts and blinds. Now, I just finished reading a, a book. Yes. Uh, Professor Rossow recommended it, and it was actually written by his brother about the importance of metaphors in the Bible and that a lot of times we ought to spend more time on the metaphor. And here we have another metaphor, the souls now lost in error's maze. What's a maze? A maze is, of course, uh, it's it's like a, um, oh, it's like a, a, it's it's hard to describe, but but I'll you try you to a, find a your way. You, it's a puzzle. A it's a it's a three dimensional puzzle that you're trying to find your way through. I'll give you a hint. Corn. Yeah, corn maze. Sure, you have yes. those in the fall. And what is that? Well, it's a, it's like a, a three-dimensional puzzle. You're trying to... No, no, to, no, 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 no. What's the what? corn maze? A corn maze is uh, when uh, well, fa a farmer will sometimes use his field. He'll, he'll make a... I say it. I, I call it a three-dimensional puzzle. You're trying to find your way through this maze of corn. Yes. And you, you can't... You can't, you know, you can't see it from above. You've got to wander through it. Exactly. And so a maze is a real puzzle. 
how to get from one place to another. Right. And that's what a lot of people are in heirs maze. Uh, right. Like Adam and Eve. Sure. They heard from God. They heard from the serpent. And they chose the path of the serpent, which left them in the cornfield, so to speak, out of the Garden of Eden. Yes. Okay. Any other thoughts on two? Well, you, you mentioned the Jesuit monk that originally wrote the prayer upon which this hymn yes. may have been based. And remember, he was he was praying about those those wandering Lutherans, yes, <laughs> ironically. Exactly. And uh, exactly. I suppose he was maybe thinking about, uh, you know, Lutherans being in error from his perspective. Well, they certainly are from uh, the Jesuit perspective. Yes. Yes. Uh, in our hymnal, you already mentioned this, but what is the category under which this hymn is written at the top oh, of the page? Uh, it's mission and witness. Yes. Now, this is in the middle of a war, in the middle of pestilence, people dying in this town, this town attacked numerous times. This shows really great faith. So if you'll go on with stanza three, please. Yes. Oh, gently call those gone astray, that they may find the saving way. Let every conscience, sore oppressed, in you find peace and heavenly rest. I would think this verse is about those that need, they need comfort. Uh, they're maybe close to or maybe in despair themselves. Their, their conscience is assailing them. And, uh, and they need the, the comfort that only the gospel of God's forgiveness in Jesus Christ can give them. Well said. Um... I'm doing a study on Proverbs, and in chapter 3, Solomon's talking to his son and to stay away from the adulteress. Yes. And of course, that is those who follow false idols. But he makes the point that the adulteress also has a way, and so does the wisdom, namely Jesus, has a way. And Jesus right. talks about those two ways. One is narrow and the other is broad. What yes. are the two ways? Well, broad is the way that leads to destruction, as yes. it says. And, of course, uh, I am the door. Jesus says, I am the door. I, I, and, and, of course, he's the only way. He's the only way. So in that sense, it's narrow. And yet, in another sense, it's very, it's wide open because he would have all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Yeah, no one comes to the Father except, except by him. Yes, well said. That's right. All right. I'll read stanza four. Shine on the darkened and the cold. Recall the wanderers to your fold. Unite all those who walk apart, confirm the weak and doubting heart. Again, fill with metaphors. Uh, the cold, who would that be referring to? I would think, uh, 
Oh, anyone who's uh, down, you know, I mean, they're 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 down, as the as the world would say, down on their luck. That is, they're they're in the doldrums. They're uh, they're going through difficult times. Maybe they've lost their home, or they've lost their job, or uh, they they don't see any hope in the future. Yes, and to recall the wanderers to your fold, another metaphor. Right. What's the word "fold" referring to? Oh, a sheepfold, the uh, the gathering of sheep, a flock. Yes, yeah, that's called a fold, and it's kind of interesting how I, I like watching YouTube and African animals, and they are they all have like cows are in a herd. What what's yeah. the word for lions? Do you remember? Um, um, um yes, I, it's on the tip of my tongue. A pride. Very Isn't good. Is it called a pride? Yes. 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 And uh, that's really different. But the church is called the fold of Christ. And therefore, unite those who walk apart. Confirm the weak and doubting heart. So he's not only talking about unbelievers. He's also referring to Christians who for one reason or another may have fallen from the faith because their faith is not that strong. Yes, and they're, and they're plagued with doubt. I mean, who of us has, had, has not been plagued with doubt at one time or another? Even some pastors, no doubt. Yes, but have you ever doubted that uh, God doesn't exist or Jesus didn't die on the cross or heaven's not your home? Not for not for very long. <laughs> yeah. All I have to it's, do is count my blessings and realize, well, uh, you, know, I, you look at the world. You look at the world and its marvelous design and, and then the beauty that God has given it. I mean, it, there obviously was a God uh, who loved aesthetics and beauty and, and, uh, and loved us to to make this beautiful creation and uh and and he's been with us through thick and thin up to this point he's he's blessed our lives with so many blessings and uh so you know when you recall these things your doubts just fade away real quickly yeah it's just amazing as i'm watching these youtubes about these animals that people still believe in evolution that a, a lion could come from a crawfish or something like that. Oh, ridiculous. I know. You know, it's it's so ridiculous. Even a tiny bird that can live through the winter. I'm always amazed how these little critters can survive, and and to think and and how they fly and and uh, you know you you think that just you think that just happened by happenstance by chance? Ridiculous. Exactly. Exactly. All right. If you'll read stanza five, please. That they with us may evermore such grace with wandering thanks adore. And endless praise to you be given by all your church in earth and heaven. Now, did you say wandering thanks or wondering? Oh, let's see. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was wondering, wondering. I might have said wandering, but I meant wondering. Yeah, it sounds the same. Yeah, one, but... wondering, thanks, adore. It's kind of connected to the previous verse where uh, confirm the weak and doubting heart that they may evermore such grace 
with wondering thanks adore, like I was talking about before. You know, we, we look at all the blessings we have and we, we wonder, you know, I mean, the love of God and offer endless praise to you be given by all your church in earth and heaven. It's talking about the whole communion of saints there, the, the church in heaven as well as the church here on earth. Do you ever mention that when you're talking about the Lord's Supper? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, that we're, we're communing with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven. Exactly. So a lot of people are wondering, how do I have a relationship with my loved one who's in heaven because they died in the faith? Well, That's the right. Lord's Supper is a way in which there is that kind of a communication. That's right. There's no no better place than at the altar rail to to be in communion with your loved one that's gone before you. I'm still kind of thankful that you have a writer like this in the midst of all this pain and sorrow who has such a love for people who are his enemies that he still speaks of having them come into the church. Yeah. You talk about the love of the love of Christ. I mean, this guy had a love for the lost and uh you're right, in the midst of all that trouble when he could have been he could have been so uh, turned in upon himself. Instead, he was he was praying for the lost. He was praying for the, uh, for those that had never heard the name of Christ. He he was praying for the wandering, the uh, the confused, the ones that were plagued with doubt. Uh, the ones that uh, were were drifting away from the church. I mean, so uh, then and and you know you give him credit, but really give all credit to God for instilling that person with that love for the lost. Yeah, that's an important point of the gospel for this week because after he finished indicating that this Isaiah was being fulfilled in him, all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Yeah. But then what happened? It didn't last long. About the Gentiles, and they tried to throw him off the cliff. Yeah. Well. How quickly we forget. Tomorrow's Law and Gospel will continue with our study in Judges. And so thank you very much, Pastor Smith, for being with us. And we'll look forward to next week. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. Or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.